You're listening to the Girls Get Off podcast, an R18 podcast on all things female pleasure. Think girl talk, but real girl talk, where we chat all things masty, self-loving, sex, orgasms, and more. Nothing is off limits, which means you get all the secrets even our guests' BFFs don't know. We're on a mission to make talking about getting off as fun as actually doing it. Ready to join the Mastination? Let's get into it. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Girls Get Off podcast. Today we are joined by a very special guest and we are talking all things libido. So interesting this one, hey? Yeah, and I think the the reason behind this episode was that we just, I mean, this is something that comes up all the time. I think everyone can relate to a situation in their life where perhaps they've had a mismatched libido or maybe they've had no libido. Uh, so I think this is a really common problem. And again, you know, like a lot of the things that we do, it's often not talked about that much. No, and there's just some good little tips in here, I think, um, for people that are struggling. Yeah, but I think when we asked our audience, um, you know, what were the biggest um, roadblocks, basically, with their sexual relationships, um, one of the biggest things, is that how you put it? I think so, maybe. There's probably a different way. Um, <laughs> but, I like, one of the biggest things that came up was libido. And so we we do think it's probably um, something that needs to be talked about more. There's obviously things out there that you can do that not everybody knows about. Um, so it's good to, yeah, get somebody on board that knows knows a bit about it, I guess. Yeah, and she's got like a clinical nutritionist background, so she's not a doctor, but she does mention in the podcast at times where, you know, where it's important we're seeing a doctor would be a good idea um, but at the same time this is from a perspective of like what you could do with perhaps your diet or some supplements um, and things things in that sort of realm that might be helpful um, for you and what has been helpful for her clients in the past in order to like boost that, that libido again. Yeah definitely definitely all right so I've got a little bit of a bio here for Sally um, and then we'll get into it. So Sally, also known as the Fit Foodie, is a clinical nutritionist and behavioural specialist based in Sydney, Australia. After embarking on her own health journey in her 20s, she now works with her clients to build their health and habits from the inside out. So great to have you with us today, Sally. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much. Um, I'm excited for this. Oh, yay. Um, a little bit of why we um, wanted to get you on was that when we asked our audience um, what was the biggest barrier um, stopping them from having a great sex life, one of the most common answers that came back was libido. Um, so I guess it's a topic that so many women want to know about and... Yeah, yeah, looking forward definitely. to hearing what yeah. you've got to say. Yeah, I see it a lot in clinic. I have clients over Zoom, um, like nutrition clients that come to me and we do like a fairly holistic kind of review of their life. And a lot of the stuff that comes back is, you know, low sex drive or um, just not feeling great in the body. So which obviously impacts sex drive. So that happens quite regularly. Um, so, yeah, I'm consulting people on supplements, foods, all that kind of stuff. Um 
But I think it's just one of those things that we were just saying earlier. It's one of those things that isn't regularly talked about, right? And so it's a bit like, it's almost a bit taboo to say that my libido's low or but like people don't share that information with one another, which is a bit sucky. So trying to normalize it a bit, I think is such a good idea. Yeah, I agree. And I think like in my experience, say a year ago where I was working, had two businesses on the go, um, you know, trying to sell one, trying to get girls get off up and running I was like so stressed and so working so hard that my libido just disappeared but I actually didn't even realize because I don't like share that with anyone either talking or I wasn't like sleeping with anyone so there was it wasn't actually it took me a while to even realize that I was like god I haven't masturbated in a while and I don't even feel like it you know just kind of use it or lose it kind of situation what about Joe what about you Joe? um yeah mine's been like a lifetime of I think up and down libido depending on my situation at the time and everything um definitely I've noticed a change during relationships as well so like one relationship I had really high libido um and then another one nothing um so yeah I guess there's a lot of changes just with life like day-to-day life but um I think I um I also, I also find that probably to some extent until I was maybe in my 30s, I didn't realise libido was even the problem. You know, you just think that this is your new normal. Like I don't think a lot of the time people even realise that there's, you know, things that can help increase the libido. Yeah, and hinder it equally, yeah. right? which is, is super interesting because um, I always used to blame my partner. I'm like, oh, I'm just not that attracted to him or whatever. But it's actually obviously a hormonal response. And often, particularly around ovulation in women, we'll get that like two or three days where you're just super horny. I don't know if you guys have had that. Um, but like all I want to do is stay in the bedroom with my vibrator. I'm just like, I'm not speaking to anyone today. Sorry. Uh, so <laughs> it, yeah, it fluctuates. And I never actually used to realize that that was a thing around ovulation until I actually did my nutrition degree. And I'm like, oh, it's actually hormonal based. I'm not a weirdo. It doesn't just come and go when it feels like <laughs> it. Um, so yeah, it's, I think it's, um, it's one of those things that like you were saying, Viv, we don't actually tune into our bodies, right? And actually pay attention to how is my libido until you actually get questioned on it. Or you're like, oh, I haven't had my vibrator out of the cupboard and it's collecting dust. That's weird. Um, so yeah, it's one of those things that we actually don't pay attention to, but it's actually a really big marker of hormonal health as well. So it's, um, it's interesting that you're shining a light on it and that certainly a lot of um, your listeners have kind of come to you and said, you know, this is something that would improve my sex life because I'm not paying a lot of attention to it. What are some of those contributing factors that might lead to a drop in libido? Um, so lack of sleep is a huge one. So I think kind of self-explanatory, but if you've got no energy or you're feeling a bit off or your mood's a bit low, it makes a big difference in whether you've got the energy to climb on top, you know, or, <laughs> or get yourself <laughs> off. Um, and then manage stress, obviously, as you mentioned Viv, with your work, um, if you're super hyper-focused on stress or you're in a stressful situation, it's kind of fight or flight, right? And sex is one of those, or procreation is w- what we have the hormonal response for, um, is kind of put on the back burner, which is why, you know, if girls under eat, which again, I see a lot in clinic, or they over-exercise, one of the first things that happens is you lose your period, right? And that's your body's way of telling you that um, it's shutting down non-essential services as if you want to think of it like that so it's like hang on we don't need to procreate right now because we don't have enough energy um and so the periods stop 
Um, but it's obviously huge, a huge impact on hormonal health as well. So um, stress and sleep needed for survival. If you're not doing so great on either of those fronts, massively impacts, you know, your hormonal health. Um, smoking alcohol also has a big impact. Um, well, maybe alcohol so related, Viv. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> maybe I was binge drinking, especially lots at that time. Sounds about right. <laughs> um, so yeah, so and then obviously a healthy diet is really important, and feeling sexy in your body. We just spoke about this. Like, if you feel confident and sexy in your body, which obviously, for, even for as a nutritionist and somebody who works in like fitness, I don't even. I don't feel like that all year round. Like if I'm feeling a bit frumpy or I've got, you know, um, water retention or I've put some weight on in a bulking phase or whatever that looks like and I'm just not feeling my best self, I don't feel like I want to have sex. I don't want to strip off and like saunter around the bedroom. So, um, yeah, I think it's it's kind of situational dependent as well. Yeah, definitely. Nice. Definitely. Um, I have spent the last like two minutes I had this question that I was dying to ask you and I cannot think of it for the life of me um so bear with me um you carry on Viv well one of my questions that I have is how to know if you've got a low libido yeah that's a that's a really interesting you know? question well partly and this is I always say it depends right and it's such a non committal response and it's very annoying for everybody but it really depends on what your baseline is so say you've obviously been you've kind of been born genetically or, or you know nature versus nurture with a certain set of hormones generally speaking some people can be particularly horny naturally and some people can be less so and just less interested in it I actually had a housemate a while ago Nobody knows who she is, thank God, poor woman. Um, but she was 32 and she'd not had sex in 13 years um, and just had no appetite for it whatsoever. Just wow. like, but had never had, had a couple of boyfriends, wasn't really into it. It was just like, yeah, you know, it's just not for me. Whereas you meet somebody from Brazil and it's like game on 24 <laughs> seven. So that's like the nature versus nurture thing, just right? make sure of you like, don't well, fall for one it, of those. <laughs> I, dude, I have been there. Anybody who follows me on social media over the last couple of years, yeah, that's my personal experience. But um, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, Brazilians like very, very passionate, right? And so it's like, that is a cultural thing. So I think it really depends uh, not only where you were born, so like the culture of the, where you grew up, but also genetically as well. And how you are um, prepared to handle stress because some people do really well in stressful situations and some people do less so so if you're one of those people who's really um strongly affected by stress then therefore obviously you're gonna really suffer with your libido so um it kind of depends and there's no one straight answer but the, generally people do have like a baseline of how horny they are um and imagine when you're on holiday your stress levels are down you're probably getting a bit more sleep you're probably eating you know, fairly well. Um, that's the time when you can kind of use that as your baseline and be like, oh, this is normal me. This is me at my best, feeling calm, feeling secure, feeling safe, living my best life. That's when your libido is probably going to be at its kind of baseline, if you want to call it that. So that's like the, norm yeah. the normal you. Yeah. Um, but like head back to work and get back into normal situations and whatever. And it's like, oh, yeah, it's going to it's kind of going to take a hit. So um, that's always a good way of looking at, it, you know, when you're on holiday or you go for a weekend away, have a little um, 
kind of introspection moment and see how it is because it'll be a good indicator of what your baseline is. Nice. So what about for those um, couples in relationships with mismatched libidos? Is there any way to increase your libido? Yeah, so like the old saying of like if you, you know, use it or lose it kind of thing is very true. Um, Just going back to the Brazilian reference. (laughs) So I, (laughs) sorry guys, I actually, so I was with a Brazilian guy for, um, I don't know, about a year, right? And (laughs) Viv's looking at me like, "Mm -hmm, we know that story. (laughs) Um, But so he was like super passionate guy and I very much what had never been in a relationship like that so you would argue very mismatched libido it was like I was fine with like every couple of days that's more than enough for me he was like literally breakfast lunch dinner every day to the point where I was like I'm getting sore I'm getting multiple UTIs like this is ridiculous my body can't handle it um and so over time there was some sort of negotiation right of like what I can provide from a functional basis of like, I have a job and things to do that don't <laughs> always involve me being naked. And um, and then the flip reverse of that, of like obviously wanting to be with someone who's super passionate, who wants to like, who thinks pleasure is the most important thing in the world. And why would you want to do anything else? Like, why would you be sat watching Netflix when you could be coming? That doesn't make any sense, right? <laughs> Which is which is fair. Like the way that he described it to me, I'm like, yeah, I'm on board with the like the concept behind it. Like, yes, I'd love to be having an orgasm right now and not watching. I don't know, like, what do people watch on Netflix? I don't even watch Love it. Island or something. Okay, yeah. yeah, definitely would not be rather watching Love Island than hitting the big O. So, like, when you actually think of it like that, you're like, yeah, that's okay. So, me, in terms of meeting him. I um I definitely stepped up my libido because he was super passionate. That's what he wanted. But he had to knock his back just because I was a functioning human with a business. <laughs> so um, there's a bit of negotiation that goes on. Yeah, I think. Um, but the more you use it, the more horny you are. So then when he like when we broke up, I was like, wow, I'm super horny when he left. Um, and my libido was racing. So it was like all hell broke loose on the rebound. You know, so it's just like. <laughs> Why am I not having sex twice a day? This is awful. Um, yeah. So, and and now I've got a new partner. God, I hope he's not listening to this. I've got a new partner, um, <laughs> and the um, a, a diff- different level of libido, a bit older. So age has an impact as well. Um, so he's in his like mid forties, and so yeah, different different level of libido, but also like. I would say quality over quantity is what matters, you know. Yeah, a hundred nice. in in that. Um, so yeah, you can you can increase your libido to answer the question. Yeah, it just kind of depends on number one on your partner whether they're if like if there's a mismatch whether they're game to kind of um, spend a bit of time warming you up and, <laughs> and making sure that you're in the mood for it. But then there's other things that can impact it, right? So reducing, oops, sorry, just dropped a ball top, um, reducing your alcohol intake, reducing your smoking, uh, reducing stress, improving sleep. So things like that are going to have a big impact on your hormonal levels. Buying sexy underwear, making yourself feel sexy has a big impact on how horny you are as well. So if you can, if you feel great in the bedroom, you're going to want to repeat that, that feeling, right? Um, so even dressing up for yourself, I'm like all for that, you know, like if getting a bikini and have a look at yourself in the mirror and be like, yeah, look fly today. And it just, it just gives you a bit more like body confidence and that kind of thing. So I think, um, just having a bit of self-love makes a big difference on your personal libido as well. Yeah, definitely. When you say um, alcohol has um, a 
not great effect on libido. <laughs> <laughs> that seems... <laughs> That seems unfair, no, it, is what you want to it, say. It seems to be the opposite with me. <laughs> Does it? So, I think I think it's like the U-shaped curve, right, of dropping inhibition. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I make terrible life choices with alcohol, which always seems to lead. I like I just I'm I'm so fine single. I'm such a happy, like fulfilled person. And the second I have a drink, I'm like radar of yeah yeah so the like the short science behind that is basically like your inhibitions are lowered obviously <laughs> when you're a little bit drunk so you're just like i shouldn't swear but like fuck it um because like you know there's a hot guy across the room and you're just like i would never approach that guy but i'm drunk so here we go um which makes sense right so you you're just a bit more free to do whatever you choose however long-term alcohol okay. use um actually reduces testosterone which therefore reduces sex drive and that's the same for women and men so women have got this thing about like i don't want testosterone it makes me big and have a low voice and all this weird shit just like it's not true you need a healthy level of testosterone in women granted it's significantly lower than the that what men have um but we still need it and alcohol does reduce testosterone over periods of time okay. so if you're like a chronic alcohol user yeah yeah, but just you know, over and above the recommended. Just just, just a social it can have the the opposite, the opposite effect. effect. <laughs> yeah. Depends if it helps you make good choices or the yeah. really bad ones that you wake up and regret, you know. That makes me laugh so much. I was saying to a I was saying to a friend the other day, Oh, you know, I've just got no libido at the moment, like whatever you know it's just really interesting you know and then this one guy said this cheeky comment to me at the bar and I was like oh there it is it's back. <laughs> but again it was it was also it was also um You're yeah, easily I, was also drinking. I know I was like cool yeah that's all it a took. guy wow. complimented there, me I'm in there it was um but yeah I'm I'm laughing at you Joe because I'm like oh yeah no if they'd have said something like that sober I just would have had no reaction yeah yeah, but alcohol. Like, you know, a bit of yeah. social lubrication with alcohol yeah. kind of gets you in the mood a bit more. Yeah, yeah definitely. And it, it can make you feel a bit more relaxed, right? So yeah. if you are stressed, it obviously helps reduce stress in the short term. Yeah. So then you feel a bit more loose and a bit more like chill to have conversations with people you don't know. And like you just like, yeah, you a little know, bit more don't chill get to get horny. There we go. We just exactly, <laughs> yeah. So it, it does give you that like mini, mini kind of arousal boost yep. in the short term, but long term use not ideal. Oh, <laughs> good to know. Um, <laughs> I did you see Viv in um, Girls Get Off Uncensored group, our Facebook page, um, a couple of days ago actually? Um, someone did a really cool post in there that said, um, "Any tips for the medicated girls?" So she'd been she'd started antidepressants um at the start of the year and I was kind of like gosh what a good post like so relatable to so many people um because that's a sure. major factor right for a decreased yeah. libido yeah massively so I always say to clients who and surprisingly there's a significant proportion of my clients that have anxiety and antidepressant medication um, and it is a major side effect one of the first things to kind of recognize is obviously that it's happening post 
um, cons- post kind of ingestion of the of the drugs, right? So all the pharmaceuticals. So um, has there been a significant decrease or change in your libido? Whereas if you obviously if you just like low all the time and then you start taking the drugs, it's kind of like it's it's still ba- you're still at your own baseline. So noticing a significant shift is something you need to have a chat about you to your GP about or whoever prescribed. Um, mostly because they may say like if it's having a significant impact, we can talk about dosage or using a different one that might have fewer side effects on libido. Um, but there are options out there. So it's not necessarily something you have to deal with. I would just say like raise it with your GP if that's that, that's the first port of call and say, hey, look, I've been on these, but this is the these are the side effects I'm experiencing. And, you know, it's not great for my relationship or, you know, for my own personal pleasure or whatever. Second port of call is all is looking at those things, right? So really boring, just keep repeating myself, but sleep, stress, um, so manageable stress, obviously, um, smoking cessation, alcohol intake. So if people are using alcohol and cigarettes as a coping mechanism whilst they're anxious or depressed, that needs to stop. Um, because it's only going to contribute, obviously, to low libido. But then there's things you can do to offset. So that's all the stuff that you shouldn't do and go and have a chat with your GP, but stuff you can do to help kind of balance libido. A couple of supplements that, and this goes for everybody, not just anxiety, um, people who are suffering with anxiety and depression. Um, The two supplements that I recommend, one of them is natural. It's called maca powder. (laughs) (laughs) Ask Joe about mecha powder. She's like, I'm not drinking that smoothie. It's got mecha powder. Uh, oh, I, I, I have. <laughs> because how annoying is it to be horny in situations where you shouldn't be horny? And the second, like, I'm, how hard does it make you? This is effective, isn't it? It, it is the I most. I just had a smoothie and I'm ready to go. It is the most effective thing for me. I swear. Um, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Like, if I see it on the menu, I'm like, uh, got a busy week. No. And avoid. Yeah. Avoid. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I don't have access to my vibrator right now. So I'll <laughs> avoid. Um, yeah. It is actually it's super effective. There's lots of clinical trials that back it up as well, which is great. And we don't always have that in food, which is really cool. So um, it essentially balances out hormones. So if you've got um, like an excess production of estrogen or progesterone and, and therefore there's an imbalance, it helps to bring that back into balance or like homeostasis, as we'd call it. Um, and therefore you can obviously get your horn back, which is great. Um, it tastes delicious. I think it tastes like caramel. I'm like super into it. Um, and you can add it to everything, like yeah. sprinkle it on your cereal, put it in your coffee, blend it into smoothies, happy days. There are a couple of different types. There's a red one and a golden one. Um, I do believe the red version of maca powder, so red maca, is more effective oh, than shit. the golden never version. Tried red. Mm, maybe don't. <laughs> Maybe don't, <laughs> unless you've got a weekend to yourself. Um, so that was that be, would be one thing that I'd ask people to include. Um, the next thing would be tribulus, which you may have already, you already know about as well. Um, so personal experience, I'll just overshare. So I take um, a supplement that's got, it's actually for hair growth, but it's also got tribulus in it. And it instantly like changes from like 50% horny to 110% horny. <laughs> After ta- if that's a thing um after taking like a couple of tablets consecutively i'm like wow this is a problem and say literally the same as you that's like, so funny joe yeah. having to like 
be prepared yeah. for I need to get be able to get myself off because otherwise there's going to be all hell breaking yeah. loose. So um though it, again different effects for different people right because we're all bio individual. So like as we have different fingerprints everybody's internal kind of um receptors are also incredibly different. So what might work for one person doesn't work for another, which is why nutritionists get a bad rep because you go and see one and they're like, take all these tablets and you might not feel any better, <laughs> which is annoying and expensive. <laughs> um, but then we have to try other things. Yeah. So um, it is. Uh, there's a lot of trial and error and sadly we can't do a test for that, which is annoying. Um, in terms of, oh, and zinc is a great supplement. Mm. You'll have heard guys, great for guys, um, but equally for women, it's really helpful because if you um, are low in testosterone, it can help at like um, optimize your testosterone levels. Oh, so any foods with zinc in, so or, or supplements, so yeah. oysters, beef, pork, baked beans, uh, pumpkin seeds, anything like that that's got plenty of zinc in um, is going to help, which is great. So those are, that's where I would start. And then finally i would go for a really good quality fish oil or making sure that you've got enough um omega-3s in your diet so for meat eaters i should say or pescatarians um making sure that you're getting like three to four serves of fatty fish so like herring or salmon or smoked salmon whatever you go for mm -hmm. um really important if you can't get that or you're vegan, you can do um, an omega-3 supplement. So you can obviously get fish oil supplements. Um, this is interesting actually for people who are suffering with depression as well. So fish oil supplements at one gram of EPA. I don't know if you've ever turned a, a fish oil supplement around and it'll say EPA and DHA, which is like the two components that make up fish oil. So DHA is meant to be really good for brain health. Um, EPA similar effects but slightly different anywhere between one and three grams is considered a therapeutic dose so the stuff that you normally get in the supermarket is normally anywhere between 300 and 500 milligrams oh, wow. it's not enough it's like half the, the therapeutic dose so um have it making sure that you're having a therapeutic dose of that is really important particularly in those that have anxiety or depression it can actually have a synergistic effect with um depressive drugs so for example say you're taking prozac um or fluoroxetine same same you if you take one to three grams of epa based on scientific studies it actually increases the effectiveness and therefore over long term you can lower your dose of the pharmaceutical so Either which way, whether you do it just to support yourself from a libido perspective or from an anxiety and depression perspective, um, omega-3s are super important and something that for some reason everybody's deficient in. So vegans can get it through um, getting like an algae oil supplement if obviously they're not eating fish and things. So um, that's a good way of getting it. But for everybody else, just make sure you're eating fatty fish, please. <laughs> Sounds good. Lucky I've got salmon in my lunch. <laughs> good girl. How much are you having a week, Viv? That's what I want to know. Because most people are like, yeah, I have a little bit and it's one serve a week. Yeah. Oh, well, God, mine might know. be like one I every two weeks. I not plan anything. Yeah. Really? I don't I'm... plan anything. See, that's not enough. You should be on a fish oil, okay. madam. Okay. I'm on to it. Don't worry. <laughs> I'll, ho I'll hook you up afterwards. <laughs> Actually, interestingly, I'll just say this about fish oil, which I think is fascinating. They did a study in 2018 in Australia so sorry for New Zealanders. Um, but they did a study in Australia and they took 20 of the most popular fish oil supplements off the shelf and they tested them for accuracy, like for accuracy of labeling and purity of product. 
and 75% of them were rancid because they'd been stored wow. like either incorrectly or for too long. So you know those people who go and buy like the massive vats where there's like 240 tablets in one thing. By the time you've got to the end, of, it's, it's a volatile it's oil. By the time that you've got to the end of your bottle, it's gone off. So do not buy fish oil in bulk. It's such a bad idea. Like literally get 30 caps in a bottle and start afresh when you need some new because you're getting fresh oil. Oh my god. The gosh. other thing is that the actual I know gross, right? The other thing is that it's um actually not uh, like the labeling laws around fish oil are not that stringent. Um and so I think it was something like only 50% of the products that they tested had what they said on the label. Oh my god. In terms of like the the like the sorry the um intensity of what the product contained. So say for example it says, you know, there's I don't know 300 milligrams of EPA, it may have had 100 milligrams of EPA in. Oh my god. So there's no standardization, which is really not okay. So is there a brand that I'm you're so grateful. Sorry. Ooh, I'm well, no, that's all right. Um I'm actually ooh, questionable not meant to recommend stuff okay. as a nutritionist, which is okay. dumb. However, I will because like I also don't care. Um <laughs> And I care about you guys. So um, my, what I would say is what I, if, if I, cause normally I prescribe, right? So I would give a prescription to one that's by a company called Designs for Health. I'm not actually sure if you can buy it off a shelf, but if anybody's like Googling this, Designs for Health do a really, really good one. That's very pure. It's TGA approved. Um, if you can't get hold of that, a third party tested brand that I love in Australia that you can get off a shelf, and I'm pretty sure you can get it in New Zealand as well, is Bioceuticals. It's the blue label ones that you see in Chemist Warehouse, Priceline and all that jazz. So they have one called Ultra Clean 85 that's really high dose, third party tested for quality and all that jazz. Um, and then there's also another company that I quite like that's off the shelf called MedLab. I don't want to like shine the light on just one brand. Mm -hmm. MedLab's a really good one. They also have a blue label um, and they have a good fish oil. I think it's called like Ultra Omega something or other. But oh. have a look at that one. So that if I was saying to somebody, if you're just going to go and buy it off the shelf, those are the two that I'd be recommending. Cool. Perfect. Amazing. Well, I think that kind of answers my questions or questions that I've seen pop up about libido. I'm really glad we covered off that um those anxiety depression medications because when you said that joe i was like that is something that gets posted all the time so yeah, yeah. glad we've covered that too yeah definitely yeah it's something that yeah it comes up in clinic so often and it's a lot of the time it's one of those things where there's like a lot of lifestyle management um involved as well so you know dealing with the i love that Viv's filming me guys at the same time as talking <laughs> um but it's one of those things that like if you can improve other things outside of obviously the fact that you're having a medication and um, so focusing on stress sleep etc within your abilities um then that's one of obviously like the initial approach yeah. um because sadly ssris and things do have a big impact on libido and like if you need to be on them you need to be on them you know like pharmaceuticals have its place um i'm just reading a question that i put out on instagram oh. from because i put a little question out like somebody said how to increase libido which we have covered <laughs> off the next question was um what to do when ibs impacts sex drive oh. low mood feeling on oh, low mood no comma but should be feeling uncomfortable yeah and ibs ah, would be like bloating problems bloating and stuff hey what you're talking about yeah or like loose stools yeah. constipation wind yeah 
how gross is it when you have you ever had that when you've like had a fizzy drink or whatever and you're on a night out and then you're like I'm quite windy and then you go back to somebody's place and it's just like this is not the time to fall asleep because I'm going to make some noise it's (laughs) not stressful it's so stressful um but yeah like bloating and stuff obviously makes you feel super uncomfortable not ideal when you're getting naked particularly if it's with a new partner you don't feel your best IBS itself is dealt with with like so many different things it's also triggered by stress um but can be dealt with from like a nutrition perspective in so many different ways. Um, I would suggest speaking to, rather than me going into it here, speaking to a nutritionist or sliding into my DMs and asking me about it. Um, just because there's like a multi-pronged, did I say that right? Multi-pronged approach. Yeah, it came yeah. out really weird. Um, <laughs> and there's a multi-pronged approach to dealing with it. So uh, removing irritants and um, then healing the gut and then repopulating with probiotics so um it's kind of a three-phased approach and in terms of what you can do symptomatically i actually tell people to get this all the time i don't know if you've ever guys have ever had it it's something called iberogast or iberogast if i'm pronouncing it correctly um you can go and get it from supermarkets and wherever not supermarkets from chemists um and it's like an, a herbal tincture that you can put in your mouth. Doesn't taste great. <laughs> Just going to throw that out there. Um, but it has an immediate symptom relief for really? yeah ah. for bloating, gas, pain, IBS sufferers. It's really really great. So it's I B E R O G A S T. If anyone's looking for it, that have it on like your shelf just in yeah, case. Yeah, I was going to say sounds like something I need in my toolkit. Yeah. Symptom no, relief is the I best. have one funny secondhand tip that I haven't <laughs> tried yet. I haven't been in a situation where I've needed it. But my friend said to me, do you know if you need to fart like at a guy's house or if you're on the toilet mm. about to go for a wee and you're like, I might fart, to just pull your butt cheeks apart and just let it slip out. Wow. Because yeah, it, it makes less noise. I don't know. Apparently if you pull your butt cheeks out, <laughs> it'll just slip out. I haven't tried it yet. I have not that. been in the situation. But that is hilarious. I'm waiting for the podcast. But um, isn't it funny? Wow. It's hilarious. But then you, take think, you think of take the, note. You think of the conversation of when the smell hits them, though. Like, and then what? It's deny, 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 or no? In the bathroom. In the bathroom. <laughs> oh, in the bathroom. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I have not at dinner. <laughs> you know I mean like oh, laying best to go, and you're just like, <laughs> oh. Oh. Yeah, no, that's that's not going to get a second date, is it? Let's be honest. I wonder yeah, if that so works funny. for. Are we allowed to? Are we allowed to go a bit inappropriate? Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Oh, good. I wonder if that works for anal, because like if you like, <laughs> Bib's eyes your, then, she's like, oh god, butt. no. But like, um, if I've had sorry, to, TMI, but like, if a guy comes in you and you're having anal, and then you've got to go and deposit the goods. It sounds like diarrhea and it is the most uncomfortable <laughs> sound when you're at a guy's place and you're like, there's liquid coming out of my bum, but it's your liquid, <laughs> but it sounds like diarrhea and it's not. And now I'm embarrassed. And do you know that it's actually yours? So there's all these like thought processes going around. I wonder if you pull the butt cheeks open, it just like drips on out. <laughs> yeah, because the way that it was demon- the way that it was demonstrated to me was, yeah, sitting on the toilet and just kind of grabbing one butt cheek and like pulling it. Oh, so did it she show out. you? <laughs> <laughs> clothes on demonstration um but yeah so hot tip try that okay. next yeah. time i'm gonna try that next time There's i'm, <clears> I'm <throat> just stuff, not know? even gonna wait till next time i'm gonna try it next fart and see if it works <laughs> yeah anyway happy days well thank you so much for coming on the podcast cell and Thanks with, for having if me. people want to get in touch with you uh where can they find you um i am at the fit foodie blog on instagram 
Um, that's probably where I, I'm hanging out most of the days, you know, procrastinating and scrolling through my feed and not doing a lot, to be honest. Um, I also have um, about to launch a nutrition and like, nutrition education and fitness app. So that's at status.8020. Um, so I'm on both of those if you want to reach out to me at any point. Yay. Amazing. Cool. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me, girls. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Girls Get Off podcast. You can find us on Facebook in our Facebook community, Girls Get Off Uncensored. Uh, call us community out. It's currently got 25,000 members and oh, the, the combos in there are great. It's like nothing's off limits. Um, great to get other girls' opinions on things on Facebook. Um, also our Instagram if you're not following um, you need to be doing that because the content coming out of there is hilarious our website is in the podcast link if you're keen to get yourself a toy also leave a review we love your reviews it helps us get seen by more people too so thank you so much to anybody that's doing that we will choose a winner each week and post to our instagram stories and give away a vibe each week for our favorite review thanks guys 